When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hey, y'all. This is Josiah Gray, and this is Half Street High Heat. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat, episode seven of season four. And it is March 20th when we were recording this and your Washington Nationals are dead. They are dead. (laughs) Nothing happened. And not that we should have expected anything different, but they had a chance. They didn't take it. And now they are dead. Absolutely dead. 2022 season does not matter. We're, we're gearing up for 2023 here on Half Street High Heat. But I am Nick. You can follow me on Twitter at Nats Moose. I am joined by both my colleagues as we continue on with ranking season. Ryan at We Are All Shack and Trey at Reverse to our two S's. As tonight, we tackle the top 15 outfielders in baseball. We're combining them all into just outfield rather than going position, position by position because there are some guys that can play the corners or play all three, or they're just utility guys in general. So it's much easier just to combine them into one outfield spot, but that's why we're doing top 15 tonight instead of top 10. So that way, uh, you know, we're not leaving too many good guys off. There are some guys we inevitably had to leave off, but uh, you know, leads to a better conversation. But before we get into that, fellas, how we doing? The Nats did not sign anyone noteworthy unfortunately uh so how are we feeling heading into the rest of spring training in the season just about two weeks away disappointed <laughs> especially so after story dream said. is dead Trevor story dream is dead unfortunately yeah i'm actually i'm you know just going to be looking at the individual performances this year every team in and at least except for the nats got better this offseason so <laughs> even fucking Heyman was saying the, that yeah oh, the look the, the we might only win less than 60 games in this division honestly so 
<laughs> just looking at individual performances this year, try to take the positives away from those. Like I get what Heyman was doing because obviously he's a Boris puppet and he's trying to like basically troll the Nats into signing someone, which I respect because that's what we do <laughs> as well. <laughs> but uh, it was just, it, it was tough when, uh, <laughs> when you saw, that tweet come out and everyone's like, Oh, Nats fans and Marlins fans pointing at each other. I was like, no, we're pointing at ourselves. Like, you yeah, know, it's we, us. <laughs> that, yeah. They're hundred percent talking about us. Um, so that was not fun. And uh, the uh, Nats bootlickers are having a field day because their uh, team didn't spend any money that wasn't, you know, whatever. Nat or uh, <laughs> Ryan, how you feeling about the Nats? Yeah. Um, they're going to suck, but that's okay. It's pretty exciting though, because a lot of teams in the league are going all in, and that's fun. So you kind of got like seven or eight teams that just have absolutely loaded lineups. Um, look, DH goes into effect, everyone goes out and starts adding pieces because hey, more offense. So I'm pretty excited about that. Bad time to be a prospect though, if you're a pitcher trying to make your way. Um, it's, it kind of sucks. Like the Orioles are finally calling up their good pitching prospects. And the AL East is just absolutely loaded. And the Nats are going to see what their young guys got. And two of the top three lineups in the National League are in the NL East. So it's a good time for young guys. <laughs> just not going to be very fun for them. No, it is not. Um, one thing I did want to ask you guys about, and I guess I'll, I'll recap some of the big signings really quick in case anyone forgot, because I know football free agency has kind of overshadowed some of the baseball news. Rocky signed Chris Bryant. I don't know if that happened before the last episode. Um, Trevor Story signed with the Red Sox, six years, $140 million. Kind of an interesting deal, but uh, he said he would consider playing out of position, and Xander Bogart's likely going to opt out after next year, so we'll see. And we talked about Xander Bogart's when he ranked shortstops. He's not the best defensive shortstop, so a position change might have been coming for him anyways. But it'll be interesting to see how that situation unfolds and if – the Red Sox effectively signed his replacement a year early. I don't know. Um, Carlos Correa, probably the most interesting deal of the weekend, signs a three-year, like 105 or so million-dollar deal with the Twins, but opt-outs after the first two years. So effectively like a one-year, $34 million deal for him, and he's going to try probably try again next year. But it was the Twins of all teams. They've made a, a bunch of – kind of low-key moves all off season, but that was obviously the biggest. So it'll be interesting to see if Minnesota can finally get over the hump and win a playoff series for once. Um, Phillies made a couple moves. They signed Kyle Schorber, but also signed Nicholas Cassianos. So they are going all in on offense and just ignoring the pitching. I almost respect it because they're, they might go from 82 wins to like 86, and maybe that's enough to get them in the playoffs, but they're not going to have any pitching. So it's going to be funny. Um, anything else that I missed? Um, not that I think of Freeman yeah, signed with the Dodgers. Oh, Freeman, yeah, Freeman signed with the Dodgers, the Dodgers. yeah, and as a uh, soap opera. <laughs> yeah, that one was interesting because the Braves basically just did him dirty. Freeman probably did overplay his hand, but it's free agency, like you're, you're gonna shoot high. And I mean, I'm never gonna blame the player for trying to, like, you know, cash in. But the Braves are just like, no. So, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's the, like they, they didn't even contact him at all. That's yeah. just, I mean, at least say something. 
the <laughs> way his deal is structured too, it has deferrals, but if he's traded, the Dodgers don't have to pay the deferrals. It was like weirdly structured and probably intelligently structured. So maybe the Dodgers move Freddie Freeman at some point. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what the Dodgers farm system is looking like if they have a first baseman in the wings or um, whatever, but interesting deal there. Uh, and then a couple of like minor pitching moves, Zach Greinke returns to the Royals, which is kind of a good story. Uh, he's most likely going to finish his career there. Danny Duffy to the Dodgers. I mean, who aren't the Dodgers signing? I think Tyler Anderson. Tyler Anderson. The <laughs> I was about to yeah. say. So whatever. All the, pitch- the one-year guys. Just Yeah, whatever pitchers were left are now on the Dodgers. Uh, Angels signed like Archie Bradley. Oh, Braves signed Kenley Jansen. That was kind of a big story too. Um, but Jorge think- Soler, Marlins. Oh, Jorge Another Soler, opt-out Marlins. deal. Yeah, a lot of opt-out deals. Yeah, love those deals. But back to my question. It feels like a lot of these teams that I, all right, let me back up. So the guaranteed tankers, right? The teams that are actively not trying the Orioles, the pirates, uh, the guardians, the A's, the reds, probably that's definitive right now. The Rockies were in there, but it feels like they just wanted to sign one big name guy. So that way they could say, oh, look, we tried. And that was going to be my question. It feels like these teams that normally wouldn't be considered a contender are just trying to go after that one signing so they can, you know, for the next negotiations or whatever, they'll be like, oh, look, we signed this guy this year. And I'm like, what? I mean, just because you sign one guy doesn't mean you're actively trying. So it just it felt kind of disingenuous to me. I don't know if you guys felt the same way. Like, why are the Rockies signing Chris Bryant? Not that Chris Bryant's bad. I wanted him too, but the Rockies have nothing. And I, granted, the Twins are a little bit different because they're trying, but I don't know. It just it seems so weird to me to see what teams were in on it and what teams weren't. So uh, I don't know. I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that. A lot of that has to do with the anti-tanking measures there in the, in the fact. Right. Um, as soon as those were being mentioned the CBA, you knew just you're going to get random teams just signing guys just to like say hey look we're not tanking even though they're only gonna win like 56 games so it's a lot of stuff playing into that as well but opt-outs are very friendly pro player friendly so guys like those as well another very interesting tidbit though that isn't being really reported with player contracts right now that is happening with the new cba and when a guy is traded instead of it being calculated by AAV with the contract hit the new team is going to take. It's now done by cash owed. So guys that have backloaded contracts are going to be kind of screwed like that. Or teams that are kind of smart are going to start structuring contracts the way that we saw the Dodgers do. So if you try to trade a player later in his career, you're not going to be kind of stuck with him just because a lot of teams are going to backload contracts. Cause like, look at the Nats, Patrick Corbin, he's gotten 23, 24, 35 mil left. So like, that's going to be kind of interesting to trade as well. But no, just some of the stuff that we're kind of seeing that you're pointing out, Nick, is just impacts of the new CBA happening and anti-tanking measures and all the very interesting fine print things that teams are going to try to do the bare minimum to get around. Yeah, I guess that's what it comes down to. And the, the bare minimum, like that's the perfect way to put it. It's doing just enough to where you can say, oh, we followed the rules. 
Um, and for teams like the A's and the Reds, maybe it's uh, uh, in terms of, oh, we sold off, so give us time or something. We're not ready to, to sign. But like the Orioles being in on Carlos Correa, the Reds trying to sign Cassianos after, you know, they traded away a huge chunk of their core. It was just, and then obviously I brought up the Rockies. Well, the Orioles, after Bryant. The, the Orioles with Correa honestly makes sense. I was about to say, um, I yeah, like that Cor- one. Correa was the guy to do <laughs> it, it with. A lot of sense. I mean, the Orioles literally didn't make any other signing all offseason. Like, yeah, that's kind of my point. Well, they're like, they're going to bring up, the Orioles have the, like the second best farm system in baseball. Everyone craps on them, but their farm system is loaded. And all those guys are going to come up. So like, obviously they don't really have anything at shortstop going on. So like, Hey, let's go get Correa be our franchise player for the next 10 years. So that was a pretty good, you know, makes sense for them, but Correa kind of put himself in a bad situation. He switched agencies during the middle of the lockout. So if he accepted any offer that he got pre-lockout, which was all of his 10 year deals, he would have to pay two agents commission. So that's why he was like, well, crap. So and if he signed, I think there was there's another weird thing about it, but that's why he had to sign the short term deal. So twins were like, hey, we'll give you the AAV record. We're just going to pay you basically what Josh Allison was owed and get a better player. And we might luck into the playoffs now because our lineup's actually pretty good. So the Korea situation was pretty interesting. And that's why he couldn't go to the Orioles, just because he kind of made himself a pretty big mistake. But no, I mean, the creative situation is very interesting. And I kind of want to talk about that one a little bit more just because you never really hear about that. A guy changes agents and he's like, crap, I shouldn't have done that. Now I'm kind of screwed. Yeah, I, you mentioned that. And I just remember seeing that, you know, he would have to pay two agents. So it makes sense why he signed the deal he did. And I'm, I don't have a problem with him signing that deal because he catches in on one year. And we're talking about guys like Trevor Story and, uh, other guys were like, oh, man, if they're taking a short-term deal, Nats need to be on it or whatever. And obviously, I wish they were. But for Correa going to the Twins, the Twins made other moves that make sense to me. And you bring up the Orioles, and I get they have a deep farm system, but it's like, I don't know. Signing one guy doesn't show me that you're trying. And that's where I'm like the, the bare minimum stuff comes in. We're just like, okay, you're literally – clearly doing the bare minimum um and obviously the Orioles didn't sign anyone and you know the reds didn't really sign anyone so it kind of goes to my point but i don't know this all just is me displacing my anger because the nats didn't sign anyone except nelson cruz and they got nelson cruz because they told him that they weren't done yet and (laughs) i guess that meant uh sean doolittle and uh and sanchez so trey what are your thoughts well, so I actually, I, I think the Orioles could pursue Correa, obviously, if he ends up opting out after the first season uh, with the Twins. But I actually love those, comp- the, his and Soler, Jorge Soler has two opt-outs in his three-year deal. And I love those because they're prove-it deals with protection for the player. Like, you know, if Correa, say Correa doesn't have a great season, he doesn't have to opt out. And then he's going to make $35 million next year. Uh, but also, you know, if the Twins get halfway through the season, realize they're kind of out, then they could trade him and say, you know, this is because he's kind of on like a tentative one year deal technically at that point, because he would probably opt out if they weren't winning. 
but I, I actually I'm a big fan of those with with the Rockies deal. It's not that I have a problem with, you know, teams that aren't great signing big, big name players. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's just the fact that they signed a third baseman after trading their third baseman and yes. 50 million dollars away yes. two mm-hmm. se- two off seasons ago or one off season ago. I don't whatever. All the all the years are blending together with this pandemic. But so, yeah, I don't I don't it's just it's kind of. It doesn't make sense. No, that's basically what I'm trying to say. I'm probably not doing a great job at it. It's like the the uh, if bad teams want to sign good players, that's what they should do. Right. But it's the uh, follow through like, all right, we signed a good player. You kind of need to do more. It's not like the NBA where signing one guy can really shift the needle it's you really got to build a team and with the Rockies we're they're the laughing stock or at least prior to Bryant they were the laughing stock with some of the decisions they made like trading Arenado and 50 million but then not trading story and uh who what pitcher was it Marquez uh, yeah well no he's no, still there Marquez. But... it was uh not Freeland who the hell was it oh John John Gray Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it was not trading Gray and Story at the deadline when you're like, and the reports came out they did try to resign Story, but I, I mean, but still, trade him at the deadline, get something for him. Um, but yeah, it's the follow through and the actions versus words and whatever of it all that just doesn't sit right with me. It's just annoying, but we weren't going to see it fixed all in one offseason, even after the CBA got accepted. So, it is what it is. Um, I was going to say uh, something about spring training, but I honestly don't care about spring training. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, uh, do I even feel like talking about spring training? Spring training is oh, I'll, it's cool. I'll talk because, about it. I listened to the whole you know, game tonight. I was going to say it's cool because it's like, you know, the sig- signal for the season coming up, but I don't put too much stock in it. But Trey, I'll give you the floor if you want to talk about spring training. Yeah, I got a couple things. Uh, one, obviously, we can't watch spring training, but we can listen to it. And so I listened to uh, the broadcast this afternoon. And there's a couple guys, especially since the Nats didn't sign an infielder uh, like Trevor Story or anything. And obviously, with Keyboom getting hurt, which, um, yeah, actually, we should probably mention that as Carter Keyboom. Yeah, worth mentioning. As an elbow problem. Probably needs Tommy John, right? Mm, yeah, potentially I needs I it. Make that up. Yeah. Potentially. So that's. That sucks for him and for the Nats, but uh, that leaves some some infield positions open. Obviously, Luis Garcia comes to mind as a guy who's played before uh, with the Nats, but I also like two other guys uh, early on in the spring, Lucius Fox and Jackson Clough. I've been high on Clough because he's really is an elite defender uh, up the middle, and if he can just get on base enough, that's an, that's good enough for me to say, let's give this guy a shot. And Lucius Fox was, I believe the Nats got him in the rule five draft uh, last year before they canceled it, but uh, he's a top 30 you know, the prospect Orioles in their system. released him. Oh, is that how it worked? Yeah. They released mm-hmm. him. Okay. never mind. Yeah. I, why did they? Okay. That's weird. Cause yeah, it, it was cause everyone's like, why did the Orioles release a prospect? Yeah. He's a, uh, he's 24 and he was pretty good at triple a last year. I mean, he was, he got on base 35% of the time. Uh, another guy who's money, money ball, money ball, money ball. Great infield defense and on base skills. He's also got speed. So 
those two guys are on my radar for this spring, especially if the Nats aren't going to make a trade for some infielder or something, you know, obviously they haven't done anything. So uh, I'm looking at those two guys. Yeah. And uh, if we're mentioning keep him injury, we should probably mention the fallout from that. Uh, your new nationals third base starting third baseman is Michael Franco. And uh, now and that's why I'm looking for other guys to, <laughs> I was going to say uh, now, <laughs> now, you know, if you weren't on board with signing someone previously, not that there's anyone left, you can kind of see why <laughs> we wanted to sign someone like a Chris Bryant or make a move for uh, Matt Chapman or Eugenio Suarez or something just to not have to see Michael Franco in an opening day lineup. Like, holy crap, man. It's going to hurt. Alcides Escobar and Michael Franco are literally our left side of the infield on opening day. The worst defense you possibly have. And like, there's no that, value to Franco playing either. Like, it's not like no he's going to do well enough. There's no value to Escobar playing either. Well, I <laughs> like, agree, but we kind of have sorry, to, Allison. But <laughs> like, I mean, I'm with you, not. but they've basically already made that decision. So I'm kind of like, right. Yeah, Franco's some... just yeah. He's not going to get any trade buzz because his best season is like a hundred OPS plus as a hitter, right. and he's a terrible defender. There's literally no value to playing him at all. Right, and. I made that point today once I saw, like, woke up and saw a story signed. Um, Davey has been coming out recently. I think earlier in the offseason, everyone – or the the talk out of camp or, or, you know, out of the Nats franchise, whatever, organization, was that they were going to give Luis Garcia the opportunity to play shortstop. But now it seems like, oh, he's going to play second base until – you know, for the foreseeable future, basically, is what we're hearing. Because Davey made uh, some comments the other day about uh, uh, he's going to stick at second base right now until he proves he can play there. Because obviously, shortstop is a very premium position. Not that second base isn't important, but shortstop is more premium um, in, in the grand scheme of things. So it's like, okay, if shortstop was open to begin with, why are we not in on a guy like Correa or Story? Like, a Story seemed like he did want to go to a legitimate contender, and even the Twins have more upside than the Nats. But, like, what are we doing? What are we doing here? What are we doing? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's a good question. we, we, We don't have a prized shortstop prospect like Brady house is a shortstop, but he's going to be a third baseman when he gets here. And even still, he's not going to get here for like four more years. And uh, who's the other shortstop that we have? Uh, crap. Well, Clough is one, but he's in. No, it's not, probably not the one you're thinking about. He's pretty highly ranked and I'm not thinking Jordy Barley either. Um, crap. I can't remember. I think he was an international signing. But anyways, uh, he, he's years away, too. So it's like he, if you wanted to do the Correa deal, break the AAV record, then dude, I don't know. I'm just so frustrating. Armando Cruz was the guy. I, I believe, think that's who I'm of. thinking of. Yeah, um, he's number five right now. For the, yeah. For the Nats. Yeah. What, what's his – do you see his uh, projected MLB date or whatever? Uh, 2025. Okay, yeah. So that, that goes to my point. Three years away at the – you know, most likely he's only 18. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's just frustrating because the Nats, like the other teams I was mentioning, they say one thing, they do another, or there's reports of one thing they do another. It's like, 
Okay. The Nats are just saying a whole lot of nothing. <laughs> yeah, and Rizzo's kind of the king of that. Well, there's other people around sports that are much better at that, like uh, Roger Goodell, king at saying nothing. It's like the king of public speaking. But anyways, Mike Rizzo kicks the tires on everyone, doesn't sign anyone. I mean, Nelson Cruz maybe, but he's going to get traded <laughs> in uh, in June. I'm going to call it – I'm going to say in June – that Nelson Cruz is going to get traded. That's just bold take here. I mean, if yeah, yeah, just there's no reason to keep him. And then we're not going to be competitive. And then he's going to be in the Nats ring of fame for (laughs) three months of service. That that's how, yeah, yeah, that's how you, you know, you you make it as a national, but anyways, that's kind of a wrap on free agency. There's really not anyone left that I can think of. I was scrolling. Oh, uh, I don't know how you say his first name, but the international freedom signing Suzuki, he signed with the Cubs. Oh, yeah. So like the Cubs and Nats were very, you know, in very similar spots. Cubs won in 2016, Nats in 2019, but Cubs were still trying to compete through 2019. And then they both had a fire sale at the same time. Cubs add Marcus Stroman and Suzuki. They're in on Correa and a couple other guys. And, you know, they weren't going to fix it all in one offseason, but they're very clearly like, all right, let's speed this speed this up. Nats don't add anyone. Okay, well, now they're behind the Cubs. In my mind, at least, obviously, we, we have a 2022 season to play, but this team is not looking great at all. And Josiah, friend of the show, love that man. Uh, he kind of got rocked. <laughs> so Yeah, that's whatever. Um, it's spring training. Yeah, it's spring training. They're trying out different pitches and, like, even if something's not working, they're going to keep trying it because it's spring training. These stats don't matter. Yeah. So I'm if not going to put too much stock into it, but just for the people on Twitter, they're like, oh, you know, just like I got rocked. It's like, oh, shit. It would have been nice if he had a great outing. So we could at least have that, you know. If spring uh, training stats mattered, Victor right. Robles would be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, this is true. I feel like every year he, I mean, and definitely last year, he hit like 350 in spring, was hitting bombs. I'm like, all right, let's go. Well, let's think of Josh Bell's spring training. He was hot yeah. in spring training, got COVID, and then sucked for the first month and a half. It's like, oh, man, you know, w- one extreme to the other. So, all right, well, that's kind of a wrap on basically the off season because now we're officially into spring training. We're wrapping up ranking season. We're going to get into uh, an NL East preview we're gonna have a couple of interviews that episode and then we'll do a nats full-on preview episode before we get into our you know usual programming once the season starts opening day and whatnot um but we have a packed episode like i said off the top outfielders today top 15 in baseball uh similar lists but there were some guys even looking now at it i'm like man if I can find a way to backdoor him into the top 15 somehow. I kind of want to, but regardless, Ryan and I put our list together, came up with a composite top 15. Trey has not seen the list once again, so he will live react and agree or disagree with his list and ranking. And we'll go from there. Uh, But without further ado, starting at number 15 for outfielders, we have one, Nicholas Castellanos, a uh, new member of the Philadelphia Phillies, a uh, longtime wish list guy for me personally, for the Nats, not the best defender, but obviously you have the benefit of the universal DH. Yes, the benefit of the universal DH, so it would have been fine. Regardless, last year, 3.2 war, 309 batting average, 362 on base, 576 slugging, 
for 939 OPS, 34 home runs, 100 RBIs on that. Uh, they weren't dreadful last year, the Reds team, but, you know, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, I don't know. The, the Reds are kind of like the Rockies. It's like they gave up so quickly and now they're kind of just a laughing stock. I have a vendetta against the Reds. I think Monty's the only one that's really caught on to that, but uh, cotton caught on to that, but uh, I'm not a big fan of the Reds. But Nicholas Castellanos, I am a big fan of. I had him 14. Ryan had him 14 as well. So on uh, similar wavelengths there. Um, with him, I I just love the bat. I think some of his stats, like, and we mentioned it uh, you know, from time to time when we bring him up, how much he loved playing in Detroit in that ballpark. So I think some of his stats were actually nerfed. And you know, once he got out of Detroit, you saw his stats really boom. After he was traded to Chicago in 2019, I mean, he had a hell of a half, 51 games, uh, uh, OPS over 1,000, 16 home runs in 51 games. Like, that's that's pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty good on pace for, like, 48. So once he was in a much more hitter-friendly park, his stats kind of boomed. Um, and he's, like I said, never been the most elite defender. But is he the worst? Actually, he's one of the worst, but he's not terrible I don't know uh, who's going to DH in Philly. Uh, he is just as prime of a candidate as Kyle Schorber probably, but that bat was worth the contract. 2020, throw it out, but his past two years, uh, you know, 863 OPS, part of that was in Detroit, but then the 939 last year, and I think that's probably where he would have been if he wasn't hitting in um, Detroit and Comerica for half his games. I like him a lot. Last year, all-star, Silver slugger, 12th in MVP voting. I think Nicholas Cassianos is a firm, um, you know, deserving of a firm spot in the top 15, and he comes in at number 15 on our rankings. Ryan, what do you think of him? Yeah, that boy can hit. Uh, he is second in all amongst all outfielders in slugging last year. He was seventh amongst all outfielders with WRC plus at 140. His defense is absolute booty, but he can hit the ball really, really well. He did have some questions with his away splits, but going to the NL East, playing in Citizens Bank, he's going to like that very, very much. He's also going to be with a couple pretty more hitter-friendly ballparks with Nationals Park and Truist, so he should continue hitting the ball very, very well. He is going to be in left field just because he is a terrible defender, but Kyle Schwarber is even worse of a defender somehow, so he will be in left field for the Phillies. That's going to be a really funny sight to see, but the man can hit, and every time he hits something, uh, hits a home run, something terrible happens, and he's probably going to be hitting a lot of home runs this year, so the meme's going to stay alive. Uh, yeah, I should have mentioned that. I mean, obviously, the uh, and there's the drive <laughs> by Castellanos to make it's a still funny. game. Oh, God. Uh, and someone uh, – I people are so quick on Twitter, but someone brought up uh, the game that will be played this year uh, by the it. Phillies. <laughs> on september 11th and they just so <laughs> happen to play the nats <laughs> so <laughs> i was honestly hoping that we'd get through that without saying anything oh <laughs> uh, yeah so that i mean not that i'm rooting for anything but <laughs> that's uh, it's that happening be, yeah that might be painful to watch uh trey did cassiano's crack your top 15 yeah he was my number 15 choice and you know ball go burr with nick cassiano's <laughs> he's there to yep. hit and uh, honestly, playing left field probably gives him more value because you don't need to be as good of an outfielder in left field as you do in right field generally. So uh, that's something, I mean, pretty much, yeah, he just hits 
well all the time. Like there's there's really nothing else you can say. He hits for power. He hits for contact. He's going to be hitting in Citizens Bank Park. Chase, that Phillies team is going to score like 200 more runs than they did last year and win like three more games. So that's something interesting. But yeah, uh, he's definitely a good addition to any lineup. So he's my number 15 choice. Uh, this is a complete sidebar, but if you guys listen, terrible radio, by the way, <laughs> if you guys have heard me fidgeting, I'm putting together a picture frame. I finally put it together and, uh, I put it together upside down. So, you know, I'm, I'm Excellent pretty, work. pretty, yeah, pretty happy about that. <laughs> All right. Moving on to number 14 in our rankings, uh, and a good time to preface. There's several guys on our list and even in our honorable mentions where it just, it, we're playing the what if game. It's like, if this guy stays healthy, man. And there will be times where we probably contradict ourselves because we're going to play what if more with some guys than others. Uh, number 14 on our list is definitely one of those what if guys. <laughs> so I, I will preface with that. Uh, number 14 is Luis Robert. Uh, I had him 12th. Ryan had him unranked, which I think is fine because the sample size is not all that great. But if you do look at what was played, uh, it's hard to not be excited about it. 68 games played, 13 home runs, 43 RBIs, 946 OPS. Uh, He had a 3.6 war in 68 games. So if you extrapolate that over a whole season, I mean, we're talking about a war over seven in his age 23 season. Obviously, you, you can't do all these what ifs. You have to look at what actually happened and fact of the matter is he was he was hurt he only played in 50 or excuse me in 68 games but if you do play the what if game i mean holy shit like this guy might be really really good and it seems like a lot of uh you know of the younger guys are overshadowing him because they have had that full season so far and obviously tatis and soto have the 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 flair and the memes and stuff but luis robert might be just as good like he put together a hell of a season, you know, while he was on the field last year. So I'm hoping he's healthy in 2022 and really puts it all together. Cause that white Sox team, we talked about it when they're first making those moves and those, you know, freedom signings, trading for Lance Lynn, stuff like that. You're like, okay, this, this white Sox team might, might go burr. And then they hired Tony La Russa. And then, you know, I think the hype kind of died, but Luis Robert is a guy where he does deserve some hype for sure. And, He's only played 124 games in over two years so far, so it's not even a full season yet. But should he play a full season, we might see something truly special. Uh, Ryan, you did not have him ranked in your top 15. What are your thoughts on Luis Robert heading into 2022? The man has fantastic potential. Um, He has five tools, and when he's on the field, he showcases it. He just wasn't on the field enough for me to put him in the top 15. Um, I couldn't justify it putting him over a lot of guys with him only playing 68 games. There are only two people on my list who I just ignored the injuries for very certain reasons when we get to them later. But he has unreal potential. 68 games, not enough for me to put him on top 15 and not enough for me to rank off of potential. Yeah, again, that, that that's fair. I think I, my eyes got a little bit bigger than my uh, realistic stomach, I guess, with him. And when I was trying to decide who to leave off, I was like, I, I feel like his ceiling is probably a little bit higher than some of the other guys at this point. So 
I probably put him a little bit high, but I wanted him to be in that top 15 because he is definitely worth keeping an eye on and worth uh, mentioning in this top 15. And dude gets on base. So Moneyball, 378 on base percentage last year. So if you want to Moneyball that, uh, he is deserving of that. Trey, did Luis Robert crack your top 15? Yes, he did. I had Luis Robert at 12 I'm not surprised well. at all. <laughs> I love Luis Robert. And I, you know, it's... That's obviously valid to say he hasn't played enough games. I definitely can see that argument. I just, you know, same thing with you. My eyes get big when I see this dude. He has got every tool in the book, anything you need. It's just, I uh, just need to get the sample size up. But I feel like if he plays a full season, I, I mean, I wouldn't say to expect a full season where his numbers were last year, but if he can get kind of like in between where he was in 20 and 21 with his batting numbers. I think that's probably more realistic. And even then, if he's, you know, a 120 OPS plus with elite defense and speed, that's probably in top 10 outfielders right now. So uh, yeah, that's, I'm projecting him more so than what he's done, but he's, if he can stay healthy, he's going to be elite. Yeah, for sure. And if you do average those numbers and pretty similar sample size, obviously 2020 was the COVID year. He played in 56 games, 2021 due to injury. He was limited to 68 games. If you average those seasons, what it comes out to 294, 345, 512 for an 857 OPS, a 132 OPS plus, like that's still very, very good. And he's only 24 entering his age 24 season. So there's plenty of room and time to grow. And I think he will firmly entrench himself into t- the top 15 next year. He's probably the guy that's going to rise uh, if you know everything goes to plan and health is on his side. Moved on to number 13 on our list is whew, probably one of the most tantalizing players, specifically bats in baseball. And that is Jordan Alvarez, uh, probably – most likely DH bound, but he does dabble in some left field. We've talked about left field. You don't have to be the most elite defender, but man, ball go burr. <laughs> ball definitely go burr for your Don Alvarez. Uh, last year, 33 home runs, 104 RBIs. Obviously, the Astros are still very good. Uh, 277 average, 346 on base percentage, um, 531 slugging for 877 OPS. His Numbers were actually a tick down. He's young, so he doesn't have a ton of games played. But in 2019, he was 313, 412, 655 for one or 1067 OPS. Um, and I don't know, that was only 87 games. So I don't know that he would do that over a full season. But the, I only bring that up to show that his numbers were a tick down from his career average uh, thus far. So he actually might get better. I forgot he he won Rookie of the Year in 2019. Um, he, that was just an absurd tear that he was on, and he had some absolute moonshots. Uh, I couldn't put him any higher, even though I definitely wanted to, just because I do think he's going to be more of a DH. Um, I didn't even bother looking at his defensive stats because I knew the Astros tend to DH him more than anything, and they have some young outfield prospects. Um, and someone like Michael Brantley, who's still very solid. So I, I didn't bother looking those up, but Jordan Alvarez is going to be just an absolute problem. And I don't know if he is going to try to work on that defense to, you know, be a not five tool guy, but like a well-rounded ball player. But if he doesn't, if he does end up just like a 
like a, maybe a JD Martinez or something. He's still going to have a spot in this top 15. He is an absolute problem. And like I said, ball go burr. Ryan, you had him 12. I had him 13. What do you like about your Don Alvarez? Yeah, Alvarez is a top 10 hitter in the game. And you could probably argue that he's even higher than that. His bat is very, very good. And he's very, very special. Only reason why I have him 12th and not much higher is just because he kind of is fluctuating with a DH. And this season, he had some very, very incredible uh, milestones. So, <clears throat> excuse me, in May, he played his 116th game. He had a 1.06 OPS through his first 116 games. That led all the baseball through that span. And then in July, he played his 160th game. He had 181 hits, 42 doubles, 44 home runs, and 138 RBIs. That's absolutely absurd. And then his rookie season, he had the fifth most total bases through 82 career games in MLB history. He is a very, very special hitter, and he's only going to get better. Like I said, at this point already in his career, you can argue that he's a top 10 hitter in the game. You can probably argue that he's higher, and that bat is only going to get better. He plays in a great ballpark and a great division for it, and the man can hit, and he's going to be a very special bat to watch throughout his career. 100%. 100% agree. The, the things he's doing at such a young age, is you know there's just like a boom of young talent right now and it sounds stupid to say because there's always going to be young talent but you know the the sotos the tatis the vladdies get all the attention but there's still so many guys that are going to be absolute problems for a long time and alvarez is one of them trey did he crack your top 15 uh alvarez i actually did not rank because uh i categorized him as a dh that's fine because so, that's probably yeah. what he's going to be yeah, actually it, going forward. If I did categorize him as an outfielder, he would obviously be on here because for all the reasons you guys said, I mean, he just consistently hits the ball as well as most players in the league can. I mean, it's and he's like 24 again, another super young guy. So yeah, yeah, he just had his full first full season and like his OPS was the lowest of his career, but it was full only his first full season, so whatever. But uh, he still slugged over 500, and he still gets on base, and he still hits the ball harder than most people do. So uh, I definitely like you right on Alvarez. But yeah, I just I had him more pegged as a DH. As, same thing with Schwarber as well. I I pegged him as the DH on that team, and Castellanos to play left. So that's well, why I, mean, I left him off my list. Schwarber wouldn't have been even close to my top 15, anyways. Uh, most ever oh, yeah, rated well, player in the game. I, um, I know. I I saw I saw your top 100 <laughs> rankings. I know I know who got left off. <laughs> um all right moving on uh our list number 12 is i don't want to call him a one hit wonder because his one hit was last year and it very well could be repeated this year but certainly uh if you look at his career thus far it is the outlier that is cedric mullins of the baltimore orioles last year he was phenomenal like I'm, I'm not trying to take anything away from him. 5.7 war, 30 home runs, 59 RBI leadoff guy. So the RBI total is going to be a little bit down and he, Orioles guy. So RBI total is going to be a little bit down. RBIs are a team stat. 291 average, 360 on base, 518 slugging for 878 OPS. Uh, he, so the, the thing to note with him, I will say I had him at 15. Ryan had him up at 10. So a little bit of a difference there. I just was hesitant to put him so high because, you know, 
if you look from I'll use 2020, even though we're kind of iffy on 2020 because 2019 stats were terrible, but 2020, his batting average is up 20 points. His on-base is up 35 points. His slugging's up 111 points. Like, it just wasn't anywhere close, and there was no real progression throughout his career, you know, 2018, 2019, 2020 being his career, that indicated that sort of breakout performance. But the one thing to note with him is he was a switch hitter prior to last year. And so then he just stuck with hitting left lefty and he had a phenomenal year. So I don't know if that's like a sign of things to come because he gave up switch hitting and he's just good enough to hit all pitchers left-handed or, you know, if it was that one year, you know, just outlier for his career. But again, you can't take away what he did. He was phenomenal last year. The other funny note, he had a 5.7 war last year. He has a 5.4 war for his career. So that's just how much of a a kind of outlier that 2021 season was, but it was very good. I think, you know, he will be just fine. I just don't know. Is he going to be 2021 fine or is it going to drop down a tick? Because his 2021 season is kind of a high bar to repeat, but 159 games, you know, you know, me, I love, durability center fielder primary or you know a uh, very important position all-star silver slugger ninth and mvp voting cedric mullins i can see why orioles fans and just fans baseball fans in general might be excited about him and he's going to be a guy i have my eye on for for sure because i i thought it was so interesting to see oh he used to be a switch hitter now he's not and he did really really well so maybe there is reason to believe he can sustain this going forward Ryan, you had him up at 10. What do you love about Cedric Mullins so much? Yeah, Mullins is very, very good. Um, It was his coming out party this season, the first full season of his career. He's been battling a lot of health and injury issues through his career. He also announced that he has Crohn's disease. Crohn's is absolutely miserable. It is not a fun thing to have. And he was an all-star and probably would have been a lot higher in MVP votes if the Orioles weren't as bad as they were. He was ninth and on base amongst all outfielders. 10th in slugging amongst all outfielders as well. So he can hit, he hits for contact, hits for power as well. He is good. And he also plays a great defense in center field as well. He's really developed into a round player. You count that in the fact that, like I said, he's doing it with Crohn's. That's rather impressive. All of his advanced metrics say that this is kind of who he is. So he should continue doing this on. Eventually the Orioles will get more protection for him in the lineup. Adley Rutschman's going to be coming up this year, which is going to be pretty nice for him. And he's going to be a fantastic story to keep watching and honestly an inspiration for a lot of people as he continues to play this well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, he was, I believe, 10th in outs above average. And then, uh, you know, he was up there in defensive run save, whatever metrics you want to uh, look at for defense. Uh, he was up there. So he does play good defense as well. And like Ryan said, factor in the, the, the fact that he's doing this with Crohn's disease. I mean, uh, <laughs> dude's just a flat out baller. Trey did, or where did Cedric Mullins come in at your top 15? Uh, I had him at 14 and, you know, I'm kind of looking at these stats and I think I might've messed up. I think I should have ranked him higher, <laughs> but, uh, Either way, uh, he had a 30-30 season as a center fielder. And if he's going to – if that's yeah, what he is, that. if that's what he is the, every the year – The first in Orioles history. Yeah, if, if he's going to do that every season, he's going straight up my list. 
Uh, mm-hmm. It's just that he, you know, he only played one full year. And like you said, Nick, this was a huge outlier because obviously I'm looking at his numbers previous seasons, way less sample size, but he was not, not hitting great. for this kind of power. He was not right. hitting. Uh, he was not taking as many walks. He's he improved his on base as well from 2020. Uh, so, yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Mullins. And if he's going to be a 30 30 guy in center field, then he's going to go up. For sure, uh, seven home runs in like 115 games uh, prior to 2021, but then 30 and 159 last year. So it's like, where is that power truly going to fall? Is he going to be a perennial 30-30 guy, or is it going to be a little tick lower? If it is a tick lower, he'll still be fine. But if it is going to be a perennial 30-30 power guy or type guy, yeah, he's going to shoot up this list. So more sample size will help. Cedric Mullins, but he does come in at number 12, as is in our top 15. Moving on to number 11, we have George Springer. Talk about the the what-if game. George Springer, you know, was injured to start last year, came on and did very, very well. He played in, uh, sorry, I'm looking at the wrong year, 78 games last year, 2.4 wharf, uh, 50 RBIs, 22 home runs, 907 uh, OPS 352 on base for our money ball guys. Um, I put George Springer at nine. Ryan actually did not have him ranked. Um, so I'm curious to hear why. And obviously, you know, when we're doing top 15 and kind of combining three positions into one, you are going to have some notable guys left off. But George Springer, uh, I bought into the sample size and he, he probably didn't get as much credit as he deserved with those Astros teams. And, you know, People are going to say, uh, well, they were cheating, and that's fair. We talked about it with Altuve and Bregman and Correa and the, you know, the years <laughs> that you can clearly see if you look at baseball reference or anything, clearly see that they were cheating. But with Springer, his numbers have been fairly consistent. His OPS was up a little bit last year, but he only played in 78 games, so that might have dropped a little bit. Uh, had he played a full season. But if you go back to his 2019 season, that's definitely the best of his career. Uh, 39 home runs, 96 RBIs, uh, trying to find something, 940, or excuse me, 974 on-base percentage. And that's probably going to be his best year uh, of his career. I mean, probably, maybe not, because that was his age 29, and now he's edging age, or, excuse me, heading into his age well, 32 that- season. I Hey, I know, I, I know, so, like trying to look up stats as I'm talking and it's just not working well. So I'm just going to talk. Yeah, no, I'm uh, just giving you a hard time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, George Springer, I am kind of playing up the what if, uh, as I mentioned before, but also just kind of that impact guy. He's a leadoff guy. It just feels like George Springer ha- brings that kind of energy to a team that you can't really quantify it sounds so stupid when we're talking about all these advanced metrics and stuff but george springer feels like you know just a a a ball player that you add to a team and it just makes a difference all throughout Uh, kind of like a sort of like a tom wilson (laughs) in hockey maybe not the best comparison but just a guy you can add to a lineup and it just makes a difference even though He's not batting behind someone. He's actually leading off, kind of setting the table. But he also has significant power as well. So he can start off a game 
1-0s, similar to what we saw with the Nats and Kyle Schorber. Not your prototypical leadoff guy, but if he can start off a game 1-0, then hell, that's that's just fine. Because like he's not stealing a ton of bases. The most he's ever had in his career is 16. That came back in 2015. He hasn't had more than nine in any year since then. So it's like, I don't know who he is, like, you know, what he, I, um, what I am losing my mind here as I'm trying to like look up stats. Anyways, I like George Springer a lot. I think he's going to fit in very well with that Blue Jays team and what they're doing up there. Um, and I, I'm just very excited. I couldn't put him any low. Well, I couldn't put him out of the top 15. Certainly, because I look at the sample size, and I'm like, oh, this guy has been doing it consistently for quite some time. His like real first injury plagued year was last year, and it was at the start of the year. And then once he came back, he he was solid throughout. So I'm not putting too much stock in the injury. I'm hoping it doesn't come to bite him now. He's getting a little bit older. But Ryan, where do you have George Springer and you know, the grand scheme of things? Um, didn't rank him just because, like I said, there's only two players that I excuse injuries for. George Springer is not one of them. Only played 78 games last year. That's not enough for me to put him on my top 15 and to consider him over other players. George Springer is a very good player, though. Um, he's going to put up four war just about in every single season. Um, in eight years, he's a 30 war. He put 2.4 this year, playing just half the season. He's mm-hmm. a very good player. He is easily a top 15 outfielder when he's healthy, when he's playing. I do think he is one of the better players that the Astros have let go. That includes Correa and including Altuve in that as well, even though Altuve is there. But those three are forever going to be intertwined with each other. Oh, and Bregman. Those four are going to be intertwined forever as long as they're playing. Um, but like I said, all the talent aside, did not play enough games for me to rank them. You are consistent. You know, we have seen that throughout the ranking. So if that's the reason why he didn't crack your top 15, I can live with that. Cause I'm hoping, you know, based on his previous history uh, that he will play, you know, more than 78 games, like a good uh, more, a good bit more than 78 games this upcoming year. For I mean, that I'm- very exciting Blue Jays team. Well, like you said, I'm, I'm consistent, baby. And I didn't mention the Florida <laughs> thing because he was hurt when they're playing in Florida, oh, but you but have to mention it, <laughs> have to mention it, but yeah, he's, he didn't make the cut for my, my two injury guys that I, I gave some slack to that. That is fair. Um, recently adopted the blue Jays as my AL team. I just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, Trey did George Springer crack your top 15. Yeah. Uh, he was number 10 on my list and it's definitely valid concern for a center fielder going into his age 32 season with some injury, some injuries the previous year. Uh, he just, the consistency for me was why I definitely had to keep him exactly. ranked this high, even with the injury last year, just because he's his lowest OPS plus by season was in 2018 at 114. Uh, he averages a 132 OPS plus for his career as a center fielder. And uh, you know, that's hitting that well as a center as center fielder that consistently is is going to get you some some points with me so uh yeah just hoping that he can stay healthy this year and play a full season because that blue jays squad is going to be disgusting if they can stay healthy i i pray that blue jays team is going to be so fun to watch all right moving on to number 10 so yeah it is i was going to say top 10 wasn't sure if it's top 10 it is top 10 uh number 10 for us is Starling Marte, a new member of 
the Mets, right? I'm not making that up. Yeah. Okay. Cause he's played in <laughs> like a bunch of different teams recently, like Arizona, Miami, Oakland. I think he almost signed back in Miami and then uh, ended up with the Mets. He's also played and maybe it's just cause he has played on so many different teams. So there's a little, there's a, you know, multiple rows for different seasons based on what team he's played, but he's been in the league longer than I thought he was, but he is still only, Oh no, not only he's <laughs> entering his age 33 season, um, but it's still very, very good and still deserving of a contract signed a four year, $78 million deal with the Mets granted, maybe a little overpay on behalf of Steve Cohen, but hard to argue against the numbers last year, 4.7 war, 310 batting average, 841 OPS, 383 on base. So dude does get on base. Starling Marte, probably the most difficult player for me to rank personally. I wasn't, I knew he was going to be top 15 for me. I just didn't know how high or how low and nothing really felt appropriate. Like if I had him, you know, like seventh or eighth, I was like, oh, that's too high. If I had him 13th or 14th, I was like, oh, that's too low. So I put him at 10th. That's where I had him. Ryan had him at ninth, so I felt pretty good about that, that I wasn't just going crazy. Sterling Marte is a very, very solid outfitter, like very rounded, well-rounded, um, and can kind of just do it all. Hits for some power, not a ton, but hits for some, can steal a base here and there, although he hasn't done that as much lately. Um, and then, you know, just kind of hits, you know, for uh, hits to contact, gets on base and hits for a respectable OPS as well. Ryan, you had him at nine. What do you like about Starling Marte? Yeah, Marte is one of the more underrated outfielders in the game. He is a perennial four-war player. He's very solid. He's going to put up four-war every single year. Last year, he was closer to five. Um, We kind of are really seeing his offense develop more consistently, which I really like every single year, and he should continue that. In New York, he was third amongst all outfielders in batting average and second in all outfielders in on base percentage. He also stole 47 bases last year. Big fan of that. And he was the first player in MLB history to be top 10 in stolen bases in both the AL and the NL in the same season. He has consistently used his speed, which is always a threat as well. Doesn't really need the power. If he can continue getting on at a 380 clip, he's going to be very effective. His speed makes him also very dangerous. His effectiveness at stealing bases makes him that as well. He's also a solid defender. Doesn't get really talked about a lot just because the teams he played for spent, you know, the first eight years of his career or so in Pittsburgh. And then, you know, let's see. Then he went Arizona, Miami, Miami, Oakland. Now the Mets, that's like right. five teams in just two seasons. Not so now more people are talking about him just because he's getting more exposure, but he's finally in a big market. He's going to get the attention he deserves this year. And I think he's going to continue to shine. Yeah, for sure. Uh, also, I'm an idiot. I was looking at, so I mentioned how on baseball reference, it, his 21 totals are split up between Miami and Oakland. I was looking at just Oakland. And he stole 25 bases just in Oakland. And that's what I was looking at. But 47 bases stolen. Uh, very, very good. <laughs> kind of a lost art for sure. And Starling Marte still does it, uh, you know, at a premier level. Trey, where did uh, Marte wind up for you? Uh, I had Starling Marte at number eight. Uh, you know, he's a f- he's got pretty much every tool. And he's still using his speed even into his 30s. And that's something that's 
interesting to me because you know you don't really you normally see dudes usually declines yeah. usually you know take it take a little easier but uh yeah 47 steals at age 32 it's pretty impressive especially nowadays where nobody steals ever so mm-hmm. uh i think that factor really made me want to rank him a little bit higher because uh I don't know if this should correlate, but in my brain, it's correlation is uh, fast means that he's not going to be declining in age. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know why that's how it works in my brain, but that's how it works. So uh, that's why I put him a little bit higher. But um, yeah, I mean, he's definitely like Ryan was saying, he's developed his hitting to be more consistent. And that's important because he was a little bit inconsistent uh, in Pittsburgh earlier in his career, although I'm a little confused looking at the numbers how he bounced around so many teams the last couple of years because he was good <laughs> like I feel like he should have gotten a, a deal maybe a little bit earlier well it's but, like uh, what, what Ryan said the teams just sucked so he was always trade bait yeah I, but you know you I feel like some team would sweep in when he's a free agent and give him a decent contract but <laughs> uh yeah so he was in my number eight choice yeah apparently he wanted to stay in Miami uh and wanted to work out a contract extension and then they traded him. So <laughs> you know, there's that. Uh, he also nice is uh, the subject, not subject, but the culprit, the reason for one of the more disturbing <laughs> Instagram videos. <laughs> if anyone uh, remembers his 4th of July video. No, I don't. Uh, he tied up a live mouse to a rocket and shot the mouse. What the fuck? How did I never know about that? Yeah, that's, that's, the... that's been a meme like ever since. I'm I'm very surprised you didn't know about what? that. Yeah, um... me too. <laughs> yeah, it was a uh, uh, very very weird oh God. and uh, unsettling. Like that's uh, nuts. Uh, yeah, it's a mouse. Uh, I don't know. It was just very very. I can't weird. believe I've never seen that or heard yeah. of it. Yeah. So. All right, Starling Marte <laughs> on our list. Uh, moving on to number nine, a guy that initially I didn't think I was going to have this high, but you know, you look at his 2021 season and it's hard not to have him this high. Uh, that is Kyle Tucker. I had him at eight. Ryan had him at 11 uh, comes in at number nine on our rankings. Uh, looking at last year, 5.7 war, 30 home runs, 92 RBIs, 359 on base, 917 OPS. I mean, just very, very solid. I think back to like the 2019 run, obviously Nats played the Astros in the World Series. That was his age 22 season. But I remember seeing him like, oh, this is the guy the Astros are really hyping up and like to be their next their next homegrown superstar. And again, he was only 22 at the time. So it's kind of like dumb for me to just uh, judge him solely on that postseason run. But then you see what he did in 2021. You're like, oh shit, the Astros are right. Once again, like whatever they're doing, it's working, whether they are still cheating or not, but it's working. Kyle Tucker is very, very good. You can't really argue against anything he's doing. He's doing everything pretty well. He's going to be 25 next year. Like who knows where the ceiling truly is for this guy. He might just be an absolute dude. And uh, again, you can't really argue against anything he's doing. It just seems like he's another very well-rounded uh, ball player. Added in 14 steals last year, so it's like he can kind of do everything. And he might be a problem. He might be the reason why they opted to let Springer go. Granted, Springer probably left because he wanted to get out of Houston, but you know, it's a little bit easier to swallow losing a guy like Springer when you have a guy like Kyle Tucker waiting in the wings. 
Ryan, what do you like about Kyle Tucker? Yeah, Kyle Tucker probably should have been ranked higher, but yeah, I already finished my top 10 when I remembered him, <laughs> and I didn't feel like redoing it. But Kyle Tucker is the reason why the Astros were so comfortable letting George Springer go. He is the real deal. He is an absolute string being. My man says 6'4", not even 200 pounds. He's probably not even 200 pounds soaking wet. And he was fourth amongst all outfielders in slugging with 557. He can hit. Um, he is good. He had a six war last year. That was his first full season. He played 58 games in 2020, but that is a good two months. So this was his first full season and really his year to show everyone why he was hyped up as he was, why the Astros were so comfortable letting Springer go because of him. And he can plug the gaps. He had 37 doubles uh, this last season. And then in 2020, he had 12 and 58. He also led the league in triples in, in 2020. Like I said, six triples in two months. That's pretty good. So he can plug the gaps very, very well. And he also doesn't strike out a lot. He only struck out 90 times in the 140 games last year in the time when strikeouts are happening more than hits. That's very, very impressive. He is very disciplined at the plate. He makes a lot of contact and he is very good. That is for sure. I'm glad you mentioned the plug the gaps thing because he had a slight uptick last year in home runs. Obviously, it was his first full year, but he still can plug the gaps at a high rate. Trey, where did Kyle Tucker end up for you? On uh, my list, Kyle Tucker was number seven, and I am a huge believer in this guy. I think he could be an MVP candidate as early as this season, but I didn't want to go that crazy, so um, put him at seven. But his ability to hit for contact, and like Ryan said, he doesn't strike out and still hit for the power that he hits for is the most impressive part to me because he takes pitchers' pitches and does damage to them. And uh, that's, you're not really supposed to do that at, at, especially, you know, slugging five, almost 560 with only 90 strikeouts is absolutely stupid. So, <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's only, he's like 25. So he's going to be awesome. Uh, you know, obviously this is a loaded list because I was just looking at who's in front of him and this is about as high as I could put him. but <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm a huge fan of Kyle Tucker. He's just really fun to watch as well. Just cause like I said, he's, he's, always looking to put the bat on the ball and everybody knows balls put in play are fun. So yeah. Uh, entertainment and skill. Perfect combo for me. So number seven. Yep. And who, who knows where he winds up next year, but he is going to be a guy you have to watch because he's just going to, you know, force you to basically the, the dude does it all um, coming in at number eight on rankings is a guy I probably am a little bit hypocritical with uh, especially when you compare him to where I had Cedric Mullins that is Tyler O'Neill for the St. Louis Cardinals 2021 was his coming out party but if you go back well throughout 2020 if you go back to 2019 th there wasn't a ton of indication that this 2021 season was on the horizon uh, his batting average was up 26 points his on base percentage up 41 points his slugging up 150 or excuse me 140 points so it's like there there wasn't a ton of reason he only played 60 games and i'm not going to pretend to know every single thing going on with the cardinals so there might might have been injury or some other reason that those numbers were so low but in 2018 2019 2020 again there was no real indication that a season 
like 2021, Tyler O'Neill was on the horizon. That being said, his 2020, 2021 season was pretty freaking great. Uh, 6.3 war, 286 batting average, um, 352 on base, 560 slugging for a 912 OPS, 34 home runs, 80 RBIs. And he's pretty solid defensively. I believe he plays left field. So it's like, you know, the competition for left field's not all that great if you're talking defense, but he plays a pretty solid uh, defense as well. Gold glove last year in 2020 and this year in 2021 as much stock as you want to put into a gold glove, but he was up there and outs above average and defensive run saved as well. So he might be a guy that just is so well-rounded that he's going to be perennial top 15, perhaps top 10. Well, he's top 10 this year. Uh, um, outfielder going forward. Like he, he's just a dude. I don't know where he's going to end up settling in terms of his offensive stats, but because that defense is there too, he's just going to be an absolute guy going forward. Uh, Ryan, you had him at seven. I had him at 11. Uh, what do you like about Tyler O'Neill so much? So much that you're putting him over a couple other uh, recognizable names. Tyler O'Neill is good. He is someone who kind of needs to get more respect and, 2021 was his first full season. His career early on was riddled with injuries and the Cardinals kind of thought he was just going to be a lost cause. 2018, he missed most of the season with a a hamstring injury. (laughs) Um, 2019, he battled a wrist injury, a groin injury, a finger injury. So there's kind of a lot going on with him in his first two seasons. He kind of got a little back issue happening in 2020, but he played through that as well. The team was rightly worried about him kind of like a Fernando Tatis situation is he injury prone or is he playing too hard or is he kind of dumb um it might be one of those things there but for this season (laughs) he put everything together and he was healthy playing 138 games and his numbers did not disappoint um 912 OPS man is just legit he also had a six over a six war that's well deserving of an all-star when you're considering war if you get six and up all-star seven up you're in the MVP conversation he was Third amongst all outfielders in slugging. He also had a 352 OPS, which is good for top 10 as well. Um, Nick, you mentioned his defense. He is eighth amongst all outfielders with 11 defensive run saves. Jackie Bradley Jr. only had one more um, defensive run save, and he's kind of seen as one like the best all-around defensive outfielders, even though he can't hit for crap. But he was finally healthy. And he had a good season. His biggest question mark going forward, is he going to be able to hold off those injuries? Hamstring injuries absolutely suck. Back injuries are very, very concerning. If he can hold off the back injury, he'll be keep doing this and he'll consistently be in the top 10. And so on that is going to get more and more attention. Goldschmidt's there. Goldschmidt loves hitting around him because he's great protection for both of them. And Arenado, that lineup works and he is definitely thriving and helping them thrive as well. Definitely Tyler or not Tyler Trey. Where did Tyler end up in your top 15? Tyler ended up in, in my number, in my number, 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 <laughs> number nine spot. We're on fire right now. Yeah, we're doing real good. Uh, number nine. Uh, so pretty much all of the reasons you guys described, he's got most of the tools. Uh, he's, he put them all together. All the advanced metrics on his hitting suggest that this is going to be him uh going forward uh he's over 90th percentile on average exit velo uh, hard hit percentage x woba x slug all that so that's good for his for his batting and i you know it's an interesting dynamic 
in St. Louis. I, I obviously know why he's not playing center field there because Harrison Bader is very, very good. But I'm curious if he's just more comfortable in left or if he, you know, if he maybe doesn't have skills in center field and right field. Because I know Dylan Carlson played right field for them the majority of the time, I believe, and he was not very good on defense. So I don't, uh, at least from what I know, when I'm thinking off the top of my head. So I'm curious as to why he chooses to play left. Uh, but he's very, very good at it. Uh, yeah, two-time gold glove, and those gold gloves are warranted because he is that good. Um, but, yeah, he's <laughs> another young guy that's going to be a beast, man. This is full of, of young talent in this uh, in the outfield right now. So got to love it. Also, yeah, sorry, one, go ahead, Ryan. One little, one little tip about him. Um, since 2020, he has a 6.6 war per 650 plate appearances. People don't like doing war per play appearances, but it's interesting. That 6.6 war is higher than Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Freddie Freeman, and Aaron Judge. He's When he's healthy, the man's legit. He's also shredded, so. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah um, we almost forgot to mention that. It's, yeah, I mean. You can't not to, notice it. He's huge. What the hell's <laughs> wrong with us? Um, but with Dylan Carlson, I, I know that's uh, a guy they value highly. I'm not going to compare him to like a Victor Robles, but it's a guy that the Cardinals organization does really value. So maybe he's still young. He's like, I believe he's entering his age 24 season. So maybe they just think he'll grow into right field, but it is curious to see them opt to put their better defender in left field when right field's typically the spot you want to do that. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Maybe they do end up making that switch down the road. All right, moving on to our top seven in our rankings, top half of this top 15 outfielders uh, is a guy I am a big fan of. And he's one of our, again, short preface here. We have a top 100 players coming out in a couple of weeks. One of our uh, half street high heat team members left this guy off his list. And I messaged him. I was like, is that on purpose? Or did you just accidentally do it? He's like, Oh, it was an accident. So it's a guy I love a lot and am excited to see him get out of Pittsburgh finally, whenever that day may come. That is Brian Reynolds. I had him seven. Ryan had him six uh, last year, 6.0 war. Uh, I'm just going to jump straight to on base percentage because he had a 390 on base percentage last year. So that's pretty damn good. Uh, 912 OPS, uh, 24 home runs, 90 RBIs. Uh, just very, very solid. Um I mean, he played in 159 games last year, but 55 of the 60 in 2020, 134 of obviously 162 in 2019. So we've gotten a pretty good uh, like read on him thus far. His 2020 numbers were down, but you can just kind of chalk that up to COVID and just the weird year, weird spring training that 2020 was. But his numbers have been very, very good ever since he hit the scene in Pittsburgh. If you're looking at his career splits, uh, career uh, 128 OPS plus, 858 OPS, uh, 490 slugging 368 on base percentage. Uh, like the dude is just very, very good. All-star last year, 11th in MVP voting. I believe he was an all-star starter, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think the the fact of the matter for him is he just needs to get out of Pittsburgh. Like we, I mentioned off the top, the teams that are just actively not trying. The Pirates are one of them. Um, you know, you could say they're just waiting for their young guys to hit the scene. But the fact that they don't spend money at all, if ever, kind of tells me all I need to know about that organization and Brian Reynolds. I'm hoping he just gets out of there and can really take off. But for right now, he is very, very good. We mentioned, you know, six war 
potential. He hit that in or the six war, you know, mark for players and uh, Brian Reynolds hit that. He's very, very good. And I'm excited to see what the future holds for him because he's only entering his age 27 season. So he's very much in his prime and could get even better from his already superb 2021 season. Ryan, you had him higher than I did. You had him at six. I had him at seven. Uh, what do you think about Brian Reynolds going forward? Yeah. Counterpoint to you. Um, I hope he stays in Pittsburgh. The Pirates have something very, very special brewing, and I want to see him hitting with O'Neill Cruz, who's going to be the next Barry yes. Bonds for the future. I want to see those two and Key Brian Hayes in a lineup together for a very long time. So I hope he stays because they actually kind of have some special brewing. But um, Brian Reynolds is very good. Uh, I've always been a nice fan of him. He came on the scene pretty hard in his rookie season for war in his rookie year, which is absolutely fantastic, especially as a rookie. You know, he had 880 OPS, 500 slugging, numbers dropped in 2020. It's two months. I do not care about that. He led the league in triples this year with eight, 24 home runs, 90 RBIs on a not that good team. That's a team stat. That's very good. And he also had 35 doubles. The man is just a good, pure hitter. He's average at defense. He's pretty great. 912 OPS. I love that. 390 on base. You know, I like my base percentage. He's just a good, well-rounded player, and I'm very excited to continue watching him play and continue seeing these elite prospects come up and help give him lineup protection because it's going to be pretty fun, and he should only get better. Yeah, but that's fair. I just have a problem when teams don't spend money, and I, I don't think the Pirates deserve him. I'll leave it at that. Trey, where did Brian Reynolds end up for you? All right, so I had Reynolds at 13. All right, and I, all right, moving on hey, to listen. <laughs> hey, I want I want to I want to give a disclaimer that it's not that big of a gap, really. Like I based this on how I ranked my top 100 and like all these guys were all ranked like in the top, you know, 35 players almost. So, uh, yeah, but I had him a little bit lower because I had some guys, at least one, at least one guy that I, you guys haven't mentioned yet that I am, am more high on. But uh, yeah, he's in a really, really great talent uh the bat for a center fielder i mean doesn't get much better uh he has pretty much he has most of the tools i wouldn't give him speed he doesn't have that much that many uh stolen base attempts not that steals are that big of a deal anymore but i do like that uh aspect of you know the five tool center fielder types uh but yeah no this is this is who he is the 2020 season doesn't count um He's played two full seasons and his lowest OPS was 880 as a rookie. So he's got the, he's got the bat. Uh, the glove is good enough. And I just, I really, I really like Reynolds and I really, I, I don't know. I probably underrated him, but whatever. It's too late. <laughs> uh, you definitely did, but that's all right. At least you're admitting it. And if you had him top 35 or whatever on your top 100, then I can't remember, yeah, but it, it- all these yeah. guys were close to each other. Yeah. So if you had them that high in the grand scheme of things, then, you know, you kind of redeem yourself a little bit there. All right. Moving on to number six in our rankings is one of my favorite players in baseball always has been uh, just a great personality. That is one Marcus Lynn Betts, otherwise known as Mookie Betts, phenomenal bowler as well. Like, you know, he could be a multi-sport athlete. I don't know if there's a professional bowling league, but he could be the next, uh, who do you think you are? I am type guy. Um, <laughs> that is Mookie Betts last year, a little bit of a down year for him. Uh, I, I will say that he wasn't the former MVP self, but He's just an exceptional defender, and you know you saw him fill in from time to time at second base with 
I believe he did that for Boston. I don't know if he ever did that for the Dodgers without as many, you know, Swiss, Swiss Army knives that they have. Last year, 4.2 war, 23 home runs, 58 RBIs, 10 stolen bases, 854 OPS, kind of just does it all again. Very great defender. He won a gold glove in five straight years, I believe. Uh, and then obviously the MVP back in 2018, MVP two back in 2016, both with Boston uh, and then MVP two last year. I forgot about last year with the, the COVID year, but MVP two gold glove um, with Moogie bets. Like he hasn't ever like wowed you with the statue. I think the, the biggest argument is 2016 with uh, 31 home runs and 113 RBIs, but that's six years ago at this point. Um, but he's always just been very, very solid. And again, I, I, I love him. Uh, so I had him uh, number five. Ryan had him down at number eight. Some guys like Brian Reynolds, Tyler O'Neill uh, passed him for Ryan. But I, I just think, you know, we talk about sample size and consistency and, you know, just how long they've been doing it. And he does get an MVP boost for me. We mentioned that in a couple of our rankings. Like Mookie Betts is always just going to be a guy, and he might get overshadowed a little bit just because of how good that Dodgers lineup is. You know, you have Freddie Freeman there, Trey Turner, and, and all the guys that already had Cody Bellinger, former MVP as well. Although that's a completely different conversation with Cody Bellinger, but Mookie Betts is a cornerstone on any single team, and I don't think that should be forgotten. Uh, even though he did have a down year last year, I expect those numbers to go back up towards his career average. Because if you compare 2021 to his career average, it was down 30 points in batting average, down, you know, a few points on base percentage. That's kind of remained the same, down 30 points in slugging, down 40 points in OPS. So I think his numbers will kind of bounce back up and, uh, you know, down seven home runs for his, uh, you know, 162 game average as well. So I think his numbers will bounce back up, especially like I just mentioned that Dodgers lineup he's going to have protection every which way and they're going to have to pitch to someone. And I feel like they're probably going to pitch to Mookie Betts as opposed to like Freddie Freeman or any of those other guys. I'm excited to see how the Dodgers actually structure their lineup. Cause I think Mookie Betts has just as much argument to, you know, bat forth as he does to like lead off. He can kind of really fit anywhere in a lineup and love that man. Love Mookie Betts. Ryan, you had him down a little bit. Not that, you know, you can't argue for Tyler O'Neill or Brian Reynolds or any of these other guys being ahead of him or being that high, but why are you a little bit down on Mookie Betts? Yeah. Mookie Betts is coming off the worst season of his career. Um, he only played 122 games last year. He battled a hip injury that kind of nagged and his numbers suffered. I'm using suffered a little light there. Right. Um, right. O- only an 854 OPS. That's absolutely atrocious for him. <laughs> when, when Mookie is healthy, he's the second best player in baseball. He plays an elite defense. He has an elite arm. He's pretty good speed, and he's a fantastic hitter as well. But coming off the worst season of his career, I do bump down a little bit. He is one of two active players who have ever posted a war above 10 in a season. Like his war was higher than he had a 10.7 war, and that's higher than Mike Trout's ever had in a season. He is a very, very special player. He's a fantastic player. The injury with the hip is concerning. If he's healthy this year and if he bounces back, he will arguably be back up ranking in the top three of this list. But coming off the injury in the worst season's career, I had to bump down to eight, which was a little stinky to do just because how special he is. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's fair. And I'm hoping he can just like prove because that that argument, I think it was probably 2017, 2018, probably 2018 when he won the MVP. That was really the time where people were like, oh, 
he might be better than Mike Trout. Like that was really when the argument was the loudest. And since then it has cooled off, but prior to 2021, that is like, you know, he hasn't really cooled off. He didn't hit those 2018 highs, but he was still very, very good. Um, and 16 home runs in 55 games in 2020. Like that's not exactly easy to do. And that would have been over 162. Had he kept it up, that easily would have been his career high. Uh, Trey, where did uh, Mookie Betts wind up for you? I had Mookie Betts at number six on my list. And it's just the fact, again, you know, he's just been a consistently good hitter and a great fielder um, for his entire career. And I'm not willing to part with, with my love for Mookie Betts based on one uh, down season. Now, yes, a hip injury, that's, that's definitely concerning because yeah, those tough. tend to linger. And so we got to definitely keep our eye out on that. So um, if he can come back fully healthy, though, I would more expect that he will get his OPS back o- over 900 and, you know, still be playing elite defense. So uh, he's still one of the best, although my top, like the top five on this list is kind of, I kind of, there's no way anyone else is breaking into it. So this is basically Mookie's basically the best player on my list before the best players on my list, if that makes any sense. I don't know. But uh, if he's healthy, he's in that group, though. That's the difference. So we yeah. have to just see how he comes back this season. But I, I definitely think he's of that level uh, when he's healthy. Yeah, I mean, I agree with Ryan. If he's healthy, he is top three for me. And But I also agree with you in that the top five is pretty ironclad. So it's like you know, it's kind of rock and hard place to where with where you need to rank Mookie bets. But he, I mean, he's top five for me. I bumped uh, the number five on our list. who I'll talk to and talk about in a second. Uh, I bumped down to number six to make room for Mookie bets. But on my first run, I had him number three. I was like, Oh, Mookie bets is top three for me. And then I like really dove into numbers. I was like, yeah, I'm going to drop him down to number five. But if he's healthy, he is top three for me. He is very, very good. And it's hard to, you know, do everything everything that you know playing baseball entails at such a high level for as long as he's been doing and he has been doing it uh i don't know a ton about the award but he won the wilson overall defender defensive player of the year award as well so i I would imagine you know that's not easy to do and mookie bits did it so he is just truly a well-rounded baseball player coming in at number six in our rankings but moving on to our top five uh the guy you know you play the what if game with him as well because pretty much ever since his rookie year, we haven't seen it all come together in terms of health. Last year was, uh, was better for sure. you played in 148 games last year. Um, but that is obviously Aaron judge when he's healthy, when he puts it all together, like there, there might not be anyone more exciting to watch in baseball, but if you go back to that special rookie campaign, I mean, 52, uh, home runs. I mean, he almost won MVP and rookie of the year and only a few have ever done that and that was obviously the jose altuve cheating thing and all that stuff we can you know talk about that forever but aaron judge has always been one of the most tantalizing players in baseball just the the sheer power obviously everyone remembers the home run derby he was in as well like he 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 just has it like it's hard to get players to have that it factor you can't like make someone have it. They either have it or they don't. Aaron Judge has it. It's just a matter of because he's, you know, seven foot 12, he's going to get injured a lot. And he's six foot seven, but he's all, he's going to get injured a lot because it just, yeah, you're right. It, the first time 
<laughs> the you know kind of abusive nature he plays he's just banging around all the time so you're hoping he can stay healthy but so far he hasn't been able to he's always been battling like nagging injuries if he hasn't been battling that one big injury uh, um as a whole but I, I, there's not much you can say an argument against him you know when he is healthy health is really the only thing because people will automatically go to oh he's not a good defender well actually he kind of is like he actually is a really solid defender so it's like he doesn't really have a hole in his game and even if he did the offense more than makes up for it the only hole in his game is the health but if he's going to play in 148 games every season going forward that's still fine like that's still perfectly fine you go to his 2021 stats like i mentioned 148 games played 6.0 war 287 373 544 for a 9 16 OPS, 39 home runs, 98 RBIs. Uh, not vaccinated, though. <laughs> that, that was the big news coming out of Yankees camp. Uh, we'll see when we get there. I uh, just thought that was a pretty funny response. Uh, Ryan, you had him at number five. I had him at number six. Uh, what's going on with Aaron Judge? Yeah, Aaron Judge is a victim of the New York media and unreal expectations. When Aaron Judge is healthy, he is an undoubted top eight player in baseball. He is very good. He is six foot seven. Tall players do not fare very well in baseball. That's kind of just the nature of it. Guys who are tall are going to get hurt, but he has a career 940 OPS. Yes, him having a 1.05 OPS is bringing that up a little bit, but following his rookie year, he's had a 919, 921, 891, 916 OPS. 2020 was his worst season, only played 28 games, 890 OPS. Health is his issue, but when he's healthy, he's absurd. This year, he was healthy. He finished fourth in the MVP race, 39 home runs, 98 RBIs, a 916 OPS, a 544 slugging. And he also gets on at a pretty great clip as well. He's a career 386 on base percentage. He's good. Like Aaron Judge is a victim of the New York media being absolutely ridiculous as they are. That's just the nature of the city. It's cutthroat, whatever. I get it. It's funny. But Aaron Judge needs respect. Injuries are his thing. But if he stays healthy again this year, he will finally get the respect he deserves. Because like I said, when he's healthy, he is a top eight player in baseball. Like um, I think it was 2018. He had a six war in 100 games. Six war in 100 games is absolutely ridiculous. Like that's very hard to do. And you do that by being a good hitter and a good defender, but New York media is going to New York media. That is for damn sure. Uh, Trey, I assume Aaron judge was top five for you. He was, I had him at number four and uh, I do want to talk about his defense. Everybody knows about the bat. Okay. That's, that's Mm -hmm. no secret, but the defense is extremely underappreciated. This dude's got a cannon for an arm. And when he throws the ball, it doesn't even look like he's trying. And yet it's like a hundred miles per hour. Like the stat casts come out on these throws and I'm like, he's not even trying. So like, mm-hmm. and uh, he, you know, he probably also gets hurt a little bit, at least park adjusted stats, you know, cause he doesn't have to cover a whole lot of ground in, in right field in Yankee stadium, but he can't, he can, he can get after it. I mean, he's got, he's got sneaky speed for a guy who's that big uh, and, and he can run some balls down out there. So Everybody knows about the bat, but I really, I want to emphasize this guy's actually a really great defender as well. Yeah. And he's, I mean, he still strikes out, uh, you know, a good amount, but he has gotten it slightly more under control as opposed to his 2016, 2017, 2018 seasons it's down about 5%, uh, you know, from last year to those years. So 
I mean, he, he's just a very well-rounded player and probably doesn't get as much credit as he deserves, but it, at the same time is kind of overrated because of the New York media. So it's like this weird juxtaposition Aaron Judge faces uh, from so many people just because of, you know, the New York media and the market and the team. If you play for the Mets, it might not be as bad because, you know, little brother, but whatever. All right, moving on to our top four. Obviously, I think everyone knows what's coming with these top four, but the order is what's important here. Uh, number four on our rankings is Ronald Acuna Jr. And I had him four. Ryan and I had the same exact top four. Um, we both had him at number four. For me personally, I would probably put him higher. So top three. Um, but the ACL is very concerning because who knows? With today's modern medicine, obviously ACLs are not as bad as they once were, but it's still something to be uh, concerned about in my mind. That being said, He's a perennial 40-40 candidate. Like we talked about 30-30 potential with Cedric Mullins. He's a a 40-40 candidate uh, legitimately. He almost hit it in 2019. He was uh, 41 and 37. So he he was very, very close. And it sounded like it's something he he wants to achieve. Uh, You know, he he really wanted to hit that 40-40 mark and fell just short with uh, three stolen bases shy of it. And, you know, last year he played in 82 games. He hit 24 home runs, 17 RBIs, or excuse me, 17 stolen bases. So he was sort of teetering with that mark yet again. But we've seen, you know, part at least parts of Ronald Cunha in four seasons now, a couple of shortened seasons due to COVID and injuries. But if you look at his career slash lines, uh, 281, 376, 549 for a 925 OPS, there's reason to be legitimately hyped about Ronald Acuna, if you're a baseball fan or specifically a Braves fan in general, like he's one of the game's best. He's only going to his age 24 season. So, I mean, he has the youth on his side in terms of recovery and, you know, hitting his prime. Uh, But if he still has room to go to hit his prime, I mean, we're talking about an all time great before he got hurt last year, he had a 990 OPS and then 394 on base percentage. So he was on pace for another, monstrous season and the Braves won the world series without him. So it's just like, Holy crap. Like there's just constant insult to injury. If you're a Nats fan, Ryan, did you have him at number four because of the injury too? Or do you think that's inevitably where he settles in the grand scheme of things? Yeah. So he was one of two players that I am excusing the injury for. Even if you played a full season, I probably would have kept him at four. He is a very, very special talent. We all know that he is very good. I'm not too concerned about his ACL, to be honest with you. Like, you're not cool unless you tear your ACL. It's very common. <laughs> it might impact his speed a little bit in the first couple months that he's back. That's the only thing to really worry about. Defense might take a little bit hit, but that's okay. He's not going to be playing center field right away. He's going to be DHing for a while as well as they get him back up to full speed because running, shifting, and changing stuff like that is the last step when you're coming off an ACL injury. But Ronald Acuna is very special. He is a true five tool player he is one of the generational players right now and there's well they're different generations but he is very special five tool player he has fantastic raw power and his ability to get on pretty pretty good makes him very dangerous like you said he is a 40 40 potential that's almost unheard of and he honestly is on a hall of fame track if he keeps this up the rest of his career can't really say anything negative about him. like he's just a good all-around player talk about his contract (laughs) 
yeah uh, that's want, yeah i was gonna say if you want to say something predatory. negative <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh but no he, he he's very very good and uh i'm trying to do the quick math here what age he'll be when he's get when he's oh no it's 27 and 2027 and 2028 team option so he's not going to be a free agent for six more years so he will be 30 by the time he hits free agency which isn't the end of the world but i mean he is on quite the team-friendly deal right now trey where did uh ronald acuna jr wind up for you i had acuna at number five and for me it was pretty much a toss-up between him and judge they could have gone either way uh he would have been higher had he not had his major injury. That's really the only reason why I put him below judge uh, is just to see how he's going to recover from that. And he's uh, definitely going to miss at least, I think a month. Right. Is that right? I think I saw that. Uh, oh, I'm not sure. I haven't seen that. He, yeah. That wouldn't be the plan. The plan is for him to start DHing in late April and then late May, early June to try him in the field. Yeah, that makes sense. So uh, he's, if, if he's going to miss a little bit of time, I, you know, I was just a little cautious to put him any higher, but his ceiling is, I mean, his ceiling is the best, honestly. Like when it was Soto versus Acuna and uh, like 19 and Acuna kind of had the edge a little bit. And then last mm-hmm. year, obviously he was, he got injured. So Soto kind of took the spotlight. I'm very excited for that battle to reignite. Um, and, it, you know, with all, all the guys in this top five, they all kind of in the batter's box, at least, strike fear into the hearts of the opponents and the fans. And there is no guy that I watched where I am. I am. I'm never more scared than when Ronald Acuna Jr. Steps in the batter's box. Cause I feel like any, at any given time, he's just going to hit an absolute nuke. And uh, yeah. And his, I, I don't know why it's him specifically that, that gets me like that. I mean, obviously he's very, very good, but uh, you know, I'd rather, I'd rather face like, I don't know. I I'd rather face trout than Acuna. That's just like in my own weird brain. I'm so much more scared of Acuna for some reason. No idea why. Uh, Maybe because he's more flashy about it. Not that that's a bad thing, but it's like yeah, and you know, obviously, like a silent killer almost. Somehow. Yeah, and the Nats obviously play the Braves a lot, so that probably right yeah. probably has something to do with it. But yeah, he he just strikes fear uh, into my heart every time I see. Him. I'm like, dude, this this dude's just gonna go yard every time against the Nats. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's just an excellent player, and I hope that he stays healthy this season. Yep, me too. Well, sort of. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> well, it's like, uh, you know, wants, it doesn't. If he wants to miss the series against the Nats, that's perfectly fine. Yeah, it, I mean, honestly, it doesn't even matter because the Nats are going <laughs> to win like 50 games this year. Yeah, yeah, that is also unfortunately true as well. All right, moving on to number three. Speaking of another division rival, that is one Bryce Harper, obviously uh, a very polarizing player amongst Nats fans in, you know, the Twitter community as a whole, actually, not just, you know, NL East fans or you know teams it's kind of as a whole with how polarizing Bryce Harper is but you can't deny the stats he did kind of get over the hump and win another MVP last year although there was a couple seasons where he was very deserving I think it was that 2017 season where he probably would have won if he didn't get hurt I mean he finished in 12th um, when it was all said and done so you know it's tough to say but last year led the league in doubles, led the league in slugging, led the league in OPS uh, and OPS plus. So, you know, the, the talent has always been there. He He's not overrated. Like, can we just please finally put that to bed? I don't think any of the three of us here were ever saying he was overrated, but I'm hoping we can finally say he, 
for certain that he's not overrated, uh, you know, as a whole baseball community, obviously MVP last year, like I said, if you want to look at the, the stats as a whole 5.9 more 309 batting average, uh, 429 on base percentage, which is obviously phenomenal 615 slugging for 1044 OPS 35 home runs, 84 RBIs for that very mediocre Phillies team. Um, but Bryce Harper is a dude like he can, he can do everything like, and he's, you know, <laughs> I, I can just go on and on about Bryce Harper, but the fact of the matter is like, he, he's very good. Nash should have extended him. It's so stupid that he's going to go into the hall of fame as a Philly now, which, you know, is, is painful, but he is a 40 war in what? 10 years. Oh, it is 10 years. God, he's been in the league 10 years. That's so weird, but 40 war in 10 years. And he's only entering his age 29 season. So he's more than on track to be a hall of famer. And he's going to go in as a Philly, which sucks. But Ryan, how are you feeling about old friend Bryce Harper? Yeah, Bryce's like career trajectory and how everyone views him is so fascinating. You no, know, he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated when he was 16, seen as a chosen one, came out, lit the world on fire, was an all-star, one rookie of the year, his rookie season. Everyone's like, this guy's the real freaking deal. Followed that up with a great 2013, got hurt. His 2015 was the best active season still that we've seen based on OPS plus, but then kind of struggled with injuries and underperforming should the one MVP in 2017 slipped on the bag underperform in 2018 underperform in 2016. So everyone's like, this guy's really, really overrated. He struggled slightly in 2019, but he found his groove and he's reached his potential these last two seasons to the point where now he's almost honestly underrated. Um, since the start of 2020, players have a better WRC plus than Bryce Harper, Juan Soto. Players with a better walk percentage than Bryce Harper, Juan Soto. Players with a with a better weighted on OBA than Bryce Harper, Juan Soto. And no player in baseball has a higher OPS since the start of 2020 in baseball than Bryce Harper. He has reached his potential in what he is these last two seasons. The lineup has gotten better. You can't avoid him as much as they did in Washington example, he had 17. He's only walked his most walks in Philly was 100 in 2021. That lineup is going to keep protecting him. They're going to have to keep pitching to him, and he's going to keep hitting his potential that we have seen. Slugging might not be as high as it was 615. That's just absolutely absurd. A guy, you know, you're not going to slug 600 every single year, but he's going to continue being elite and. Yeah, it's it sucks. God, he had a 649 slugging back in that 2015 season. That's so stupid. No, like I'm 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 not the entire season is just stupid. His yeah. his 2015 season is the best season we've seen from an active player. Like that's not an exaggeration. 460 on base percentage to go with it. Like and obviously 330 batting average if you're a batting average purist. Uh that 2015 season is absurd, but you mentioned like the line of protection and people want to point out 2019 as to, you know, Oh, he doesn't deserve that contract or whatever, but he didn't really have much protection in Philly. Then like Reese Hoskins was his biggest protection. And, and then they added real Muto. And now they're adding Schwarber and Castellanos. And, you know, we're, we're going to make fun of the Phillies all the live long day. Cause they're the definition of mediocrity. But fact of the matter is like Bryce is very very good and he's only going to get better with the the amount of protection that he he now has and they're not going to have to hit Real Muto right behind him to protect him like they're going to have legitimate home run power and I love Real Muto but they're going to have legitimate 
home run power threats behind him. So they're going to have to pitch to Bryce Harper and he's going to make them pay. But Ryan, you mentioned a guy that was the only guy better than Bryce Harper in several statistics. Oh, I don't get to talk about Bryce. Oh, no. So I'm so sorry, (laughs) Trey. I'm so sorry. Uh, What are your thoughts on Bryce Harper? (laughs) I had him at number three as well. Uh, I love Bryce Harper and I never really stopped liking him even when he went to Philly. uh, If I'm being honest. Same. same. Um, But you know, there was maybe, maybe an argument if you were a hater and if this was your narrative that he was overrated uh, after he had the one amazing 2015 breakout. Um, and then if you just kind of ignored the 2017, you could be a hater and say that he's like not that great. But uh, now he's done it twice. So there's really no, you, you can't really point to anything. He's, he's had two incredible seasons and he's won the MVP twice that's not overrated. So, uh, (laughs) um, but yeah, so, I mean, like you said, uh, he's going to be a hall of famer. It's pretty obvious at this point, two-time MVP 40 war. He's not 30 years old yet, which is just silly. Um, but obviously Harper is an elite player and we are very lucky to have three amazing outfielders in the NL East, uh, to, to watch. So, yeah, I mean, you know, extremely fortunate, lucky in terms of watching and then unlucky in terms of, you know, what's, results against us. <laughs> you know, what's absolutely nuts about that, though. What's up? The Nats almost signed Acuna, so they could have had all three. <laughs> oh, wow. I didn't the even Nats, know that. The Nats yeah, were. I remember the, that. The Nats were the favorite for Acuna and they were about to sign him. But then the Braves went higher. And so Acuna came back to the Nats and was like, if you match or go higher, I'll sign here. Worst talent scout evaluator of all time was like, nah, you're not worth that. And spoiler alert, he was worth that in a lot more. So yeah, the Nats almost had Acuna, so they could have had all three. Cool. <laughs> that would have been something. And then they could have traded Victor Robles for all these other uh, just some bullshit. All right, but back to my transition that I attempted to use before. There was one now. guy. <laughs> there was one guy the sole guy better than Bryce Harper, the only guy better than Bryce Harper in some of these categories. And that is Juan Soto, a guy we know very well, a guy we are trying to extend, but inevitably will see depart in free agency as do most Nats uh, superstars. Last year was obviously his best year. The MVP still eludes him. Um, Eludes him. Yeah, that, that makes sense. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Just, you know, when you look at a word, and you look at it so much that it seems like it's spelled wrong. Like that just well, happened in my head. Yeah. And also you have to say way more words than either of us. So that's okay. <laughs> well, I, I find myself rambling because I'm trying to read stats as I'm talking. So I'm like filling in naturally, but anyways, more bad radio on my part last year. I mean, hard to, to say this, but it, it was his best year yet. And he's probably still only getting better. Uh, 151 games played 313 465 465 on base percentage led the league by the way uh 534 for a 999 ops that's so unesthetically pleasing like i just one more oh yeah no it's so annoying uh god well 175 ops 7.1 war uh he's phenomenal my just i'm just going to talk about his plate discipline and now obviously everyone knows it but his plate discipline at such a young age, that's something where you can point to and be like, that's going to age so exceptionally well, because that's almost the foundation foundation of his game. 
just how good uh, and disciplined he is at the plate. That's something that's going to age well. And that's something you can be like, oh, I have no problem getting giving him a 15-year deal because if that's his true foundation, he will be just fine. It's not like it's his speed or power. Power ages a little bit better than some other stuff, but you know, it can dip at times. But plate discipline is something truly, you know, remarkable to have at age 19, 20, 21, 22 now. Uh for Juan Soto, he, he is one of, if not the best in the game at that. His 2020 season was also stupid, but that was a COVID season. And he, I guess, didn't qualify for the MVP or whatever in some guys' minds. Um, but his 2021 season was, was, excuse me, very, very good as well. I got the hiccups. Um, Ryan, what are your thoughts on Juan Soto? And more specifically, what does he need to do to truly be that best outfielder in baseball and best player in baseball. Yeah. So, so the came up 2018 lit the world on fire, had a very, very impressive season for a 19 year old. Everyone was like, you know, is it just that rookie coming out hot or is this legit struggled in the first half of 2019? And then the second half of 2019 was his coming out party. You know what we did in the playoffs, how great he was. Youngest player hit three home runs or more in the World Series. In 2020, he just absolutely let the world on fire, almost a 1.2 OPS. The argument everyone started talking about, like everyone was talking about his plate discipline and how special he is. And they're like, this guy's the best hitter in baseball. You know, he had a 217 OPS plus in 2020, which is absurd. But it was only 47 games. It was a month. Mm-hmm. So the argument was, can he do that over a full season? Spoiler alert, he can't. He did it again in 2021, <laughs> and he did that with really no one around him in the lineup. Like Schwarber sucked and set for the one month. Josh Bell was pretty bad until the second half. Trey Turner was above him, got traded. He did that with no help in the lineup as well, which makes him so special. And people use the term generational talent. Juan Soto is probably maybe above that. He does stuff that like we see offensively that we haven't seen since like well, Mike Trout, obviously, but before Barry him, Bonds. Ted Williams, Barry Bonds oh, well, as well. Yeah. But Juan Soto is the only player in baseball right now who has a legit argument to potentially overtake Mike Trout as the best player in baseball. We've seen what he can do offensively. If he can do that for two more seasons, they're very close. They're in the conversation as well. Probably in five years, if he keep obviously if he keeps doing this, he's going to be the best player in baseball. But as it stands right now, Wanso is the only player that can rival and have a legitimate conversation to overtake Mike Trout, which is very, very crazy because Mike Trout's been in the league 12 years and that hasn't been a thing. And here we are in Juan Soto. And yeah, he struggled last year, only a 999 OPS. Guys, absolute scum. Terrible. Washed. Probably should do better. His OPS plus dropped 40. I mean, he sucks. You know, <laughs> not not impressed. 465 OPS uh, on base, whatever. You know, he's all right. I, I mean, guess. that dropped 25 points. from Yeah, the, so, yeah so oh, he's declining. Clearly. He's declining. Wow. Look at his slugging drop. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, Trey, I have a feeling that he it's, might have not. come in at number one. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> I, even, I, even I couldn't do that. All right, so yeah, he's number two. <laughs> Um, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll get into that when I talk about trout, uh, spoiler alert, he's number one guys. I don't know <laughs> if anyone knew, uh, but yeah, so I think Juan Soto is the only player right now who could maybe Acuna too, if he stays healthy to be fair, but, uh, who could, you know, reach 
the season the Bryce Harper had in 2015. I feel like it's doable for Juan Soto because you look at the numbers and I mean, his slugging percentage for his career uh, is 550. That's boosted a little bit from that 2020 season. So he had a 430 or a 534 slugging percentage last year. And I think that that is definitely, it's definitely possible that that could go into the 600s for, for a season. I feel like it's definitely possible because you guys remember the beginning, the first half of last year, he wasn't really hitting for much power. So he still got to a 534 slugging percentage and a 999 OPS without, you know, hitting that well. I mean, he only had 11 home runs, I believe, before the all-star break. So it's entirely doable for him uh, to reach that mark. And when he does, he's going to win the MVP. And I think it's going to be this season. Well, spoiler alert for our uh, season predictions. Um, <laughs> all right. Number one, obviously that is Mike Trout. I don't have to really tease it too much. Uh, I will just say this about Mike Trout. He is number one for me, no matter what happens until someone proves they're worthy of taking it from him because he has been otherworldly. If you're trying to find something above generational, like what Ryan was saying, he has been otherworldly ever since he stepped foot into the league. Uh, there's, you know, an alternate universe where he's a seven time MVP winner. Cause he's come in second place four different times. <laughs> and he's, he already has three MVP wins. Like there's an alternate universe where Mike Trout has seven MVPs in the first, like eight or nine years of his career. Like that's how good Mike Trout has been. And obviously with the COVID year and then him being injured last year, um, people kind of forget and they're looking for hot takes that they're going to say Soto or Acuna or anyone else is better. But no, Mike Trout is firmly number one. He's, I didn't even really have to think about it. Um, And I'm hoping no one else does either. I know you two aren't, but uh, like just generally speaking, I hope no one else does either because Mike Trout is by far and away the best player in baseball. And it's not really close in my mind. Um, and I, I thought it was funny how for a while there, people were trying to poke holes in his game saying he couldn't hail home runs. And it felt like he was like, all right, fuck you guys. And was really on pace for the home run lead in 2019. And then he kind of fell off a little bit, but he still hit 45. Uh, so it's like, he can do anything he wants on the baseball field and he's going to be the best at it. And there's nothing else you know, us or anyone else can do about it. Mike Trout is the best player in baseball. Ryan, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, there's, it's not really a conversation. No. (laughs) Um, There's generational talents. And then there's Mike Trout. Like what Mike Trout does is just absolutely absurd. Like (laughs) he has a career OPS over one in 11 years. That's historic. Like the man, (laughs) No no roids. He's just pure talent. Like the guy can say from New Jersey, Jesus, which is any likes the weather freaking nerd. Um, <laughs> like just looking at his numbers, like they make no sense. He's so good. He had four straight years with the OPS. I mean, sorry, an on base at 440 or above. He consistently is flirting with 600 slugging his OPS. Like I said, always over one, his worst OPS in the season was 2014, which by the way, 2014 was the worst season of his career. Anyone MVP, <laughs> which is just so stupid. He only had a 939 OPS that year because he sucks. You know, I guess sometimes <laughs> you got to take a year off, but he is just so stupid. And something people don't really talk about, he has a 76.1 war. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. In 11 seasons. He might have two Hall of Fame careers. He, you know, like, <laughs> 
literally, if he's healthy this year, he's going to pass King Griffey Jr. in war. Like, he's already above a lot of Hall of Famers in war. Like, I'm literally going down the list right now in career leaders. He's above Johnny Bench, Hall of Famer. Sam Crawford, Hall of Famer. Old Haas Radborn, Hall of Famer. Uh, Frank Thomas, Hall of Famer. Paul Pug Gavin, Hall of Famer. Jim Tomey, Larry Walker. Um, Rafael Palmero, Derek Jeter, I, Johnny Bench. I can keep going yeah, of Hall go of Famers that he is above. He's absurd. Like everyone and he's always, only 30. He's only 30. Exactly. He's only 30 and he doesn't, he doesn't have to play another game in his life. And he's a Hall of Famer. Mike Trout's kind of like getting that territory where people got with LeBron, where he was the best player for so long that people got bored of it. And they're like, all right, who's the best player? Like everyone's right. like, oh, this guy's the best player in the league just because they're kind of tired of it. Like LeBron lost like MVP votes because people were tired of constantly giving to him. The same thing happened with Mike Trout a couple of times. He should have more MVPs than he does. But voter fatigue is a thing. When he's healthy, he is the best player. <laughs> like, and he's the best player in the league, and he's already an all-time great. And he is on path, sorry, on track to finish with a top five career war. He is an all-time great, and more people need to pay attention to Los Angeles Angels. And it's a complete travesty that they're wasting him. Yeah, only made the playoffs once. So that's the Skip Bayless argument to it. It's like, oh, he's only made the playoffs once, so he can't be the best player. Who was someone was legitimately trying to make that argument, and I can't remember who. Oh man, that just like, I don't want to know who's trying to make that argument. No, someone legitimately was making an argument <laughs> that Mike Trout was could not be regarded as the game's best because he's only made the playoffs once. Damn. Yeah, that's that's all his fault though. So. Oh, oh, Ryan just texted me saying who, who, who it was. Okay. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll leave that off the podcast. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Uh, anyways, Mike Trout, very, very good. I was, I was going to say something uh, to, to back up Ryan, but I, I don't need to. Mike Trout is very good. Trey, what are your thoughts on Mike Trout? Uh, I had Mike Trout in my honorable mentions list. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so, yeah, it's everything you guys said. He's the he's an all time great at age thirty. It's, I mean, you Absolutely. don't need much more than that. <laughs> uh, so you know, it's just the thing of you know, just hopefully he can stay on the field because uh, he's he's had some he had some slight injuries in nineteen where he missed some games, and then obviously he had the calf strain from hell last year and couldn't get back out there. Uh, but when he played, he was <laughs> stupid. 333, 466, uh, in only 36 games, obviously, but that, yeah, it's not like he hasn't done it before. So, um, yeah, I mean, as long as he's on the field, he's number one, it's, it's pretty simple. I mean, the, the only guy who's really approaching are probably the last three guys we talked about that have that potential to, you know, eventually become the number one. Yeah. It's potential right now. Right. Eventually. exactly. Exactly. So, He's still, he's still, he's still the alpha and he should be. Yeah. Even when he's not on the field, he's still like top three. <laughs> he's, he's, <laughs> like, he's just, he's just so freaking good. And uh, it sucks that we've lost like a, a prime year or a, a, a full year of Trout's prime due to COVID and then injury. So I'm hoping 2022, he can really reestablish himself. Please stay why. healthy, dude. Yeah, like, please. I mean, you have Shohei Otani, who just won the MVP last year. Uh, I don't know if Shohei will be able to replicate it, but, like, there's reason to believe the Angels might be more competitive than they have been in years past. Uh, And I'm hoping Mike Trout is healthy to be a part of it. Well, 
if he's healthy or if the angels make the playoffs, it will be because Mike Trout's healthy. Uh, that's for sure. All right. Uh, I know we're approaching two hours if we hadn't had already, but just really quickly, some honorable mentions that I had. And if you guys want to go into detail on any of them or add to it, feel free. Uh, Byron Bex- Buxton was a guy I had in my top 15, inevitably dropped him out because of games played. He was a phenomenal last year, but he only played in like 87 games or no, I might've been less. I think it was 61 games. And he's only played in more than 87 game or more than 92 games. God, uh, once in his career in his seven years now. So it's like, if he puts it all together health wise, he's going to be phenomenal because he had a OPS over a thousand last year. Another guy, JD Martinez, he's probably a little bit too old at this point. Not that we're being ageist again, but he's declining from his great years, but I think he deserved an honorable mention. Randy Rosarena, um, not as like flashy as far as offense stats as some of these some of these young guys, but I think he's deserving of uh, on a, an honorable mention. Ryan actually had him thirteen, and then Teoscar Hernandez, who I like a lot. Yeah, I had him, but as well. I I was gonna put him in my top fifteen. Ryan had him fifteen, um, but then I thought of the minor league effect. So I was like, Oh, I haven't been using that previously. I know Ryan, you have, I haven't been using that previously, but I needed a reason to kind of narrow down my list from 20 to 15. So uh, he was just an honorable mention for me. Uh, Did you guys have anyone else? Uh, Well, I actually had Byron Buxton in my top 15. I had him at number 11 and I also had uh, Chris Taylor and Kike Hernandez. I put in my honorable mentions just because I don't really know what to do with them. Kike played mostly outfield, so it actually worked for him. But Chris Taylor obviously plays everywhere. Um, but I wanted to just give them those two guys a shout out specifically because they're two of the best utility guys in the league right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it was tough to put them because now we're through all the position guys. And, you know, there are guys like you just mentioned that we didn't have in our top 10 or top in this case, top 15, but are very good. It's just their utility guys. If we had a utility ranking, they would be one and two and whatnot, but they don't. So, so is life. All right. Next week, or excuse me, this week, we're going to this week. Uh, we will tackle starting pitchers. Um, that is another great conversation that'll come out later in the week. Um, and obviously we get to really dive into the elite, but then there is kind of a drop off there. So we'll talk about who makes the cut and who still has, stuff to prove in with pitchers sometimes more than any other position you can have that one outlier year that puts you into like elite company but then you fall off so it will be interesting to talk more about starting pitchers and then we'll wrap the ranking season next week with uh relievers before we head into our top 100 which will be uh, exclusively a youtube video and then we gear up for the season um opening days april 8th i believe whatever that Thursday is. So winding down with the off season stuff as we gear up for the season, but appreciate you guys. I appreciate you Trey and Ryan for uh, putting your list together. It was a good conversation. You guys got anything else before we head out for the day? That suck. Yeah. Season's dead. It's over. It's over and done. But that's okay. I'll watch other teams. <laughs> yeah. The- well, and, and one soda's at bats. Yeah, Sorry. it's it, this is the year to buy MLB TV for other teams. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think there's probably some people that didn't buy MLB TV because it's blacked out anyways for the Nats. This is the year you do buy it because you're going to want to watch other baseball that's not the Nats. <laughs> so, 
uh yeah this is the year ryan you got anything else no uh nat stink yep <laughs> nat, nat stink we're all pretty uh, much all in agreement on that yeah they're holding out a g- hope for a guy that won't be here until 2027 so the next five years will be great guys <laughs> don't don't Wee! you worry all right uh be sure to follow us on twitter at half street high heat uh we're in the middle of our march madness uniform uh bracket we are heading into the sweet 16 some of the one seats have already fallen so we got true madness going on be sure to check out our uh, our page on tuesday i'm not quite sure what day this will release yet but if you are re- listening to this on release date check this out uh on our page and see you know get in on the action for the sweet 16 voting for whatever the best uniform in baseball is there are two nationals representatives still alive one being the navy alternates from the 2019 run that are still not available to purchase widely anywhere uh so great job nats and then the baby blue expos alternates that they wore that one time but they are pretty sweet in their defense so uh there are nats representatives alive and the nats might win something for once we'll see uh, so be sure to check that out and obviously check out our site at halfstreethighheat.com, all the latest blogs, news, articles, and what have you from our great writing team. Monty's still killing it with his, co- with his college baseball coverage as well. So be sure to check that out. But again, appreciate you guys listening. This was a great episode, fun conversation. We will be back on later this week with starting pitchers and talk about that. But in the meantime, let's go baseball. The Nats are dead. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team is mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator who has the calls has passed the wall to see you later. Dawn, well, you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look Cause we're putting curly W's in every book Let's go, Nats We've got a game to play We're gonna win today Let's go
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.